All right. So on your handout, you'll see again, we're still on the Jerusalem Project. Nehemiah chapter 9, lesson 13, and today's January the 28th, 2024. For those of you that are listening on, on, uh, line. And I was able to get my tech person. You need a handout? Do you have your thing on? Yes, I do. Thank you. So, thank you for reminding me because I know last week it shut off on me, I believe. So, <laughs> I need all the help I can get. It's not on? <laughs> I don't have it on. I've got it sitting right here so I can Sorry. watch it today, Cammie. <laughs> but I had it in my pocket one day and it shut off because the battery got low. And then the next week it did the same thing. I'm like, no, I need new batteries and I'm going to keep it up here where I can actually see it. So, uh, just I think I sent you a, a handout this morning okay. because I didn't know if you'd be here. Okay. So a couple people I, I do send handouts week. for. You got that one? Yeah, got and one. so I'm not always the best. So I do need, I need a secretary, Tammy. And since my wife's not here, thank you for just checking up on me. Okay. But I did get my tech person to get our logo on here today. So she's, She's not here, but but she wanted me to remind you all that was her doing that, not me, because I'm not that great with it with the computer. That's but our new name. what's that? That's our new name. Walking Worthy is our new name. Yes, the, the name of our class has been changed to Walking Worthy, and that, because that's exactly where we need to be. And so uh, Colossians one ten says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's where we need to be, not only individually but in the class. And so uh, that's kind of why I, I think the Lord just uh, impressed it on my heart. We needed to kind of update the class name a little bit and. Uh, Try to move a little bit forward. It's been a couple of years since I took over the Berean class, and uh, we get our class keeps getting younger all the time, and I like that. So we we need to keep that going. So Nehemiah chapter nine, and again, kind of a review from last week, and we start. In fact, let's just read nine one through five again, real quickly. And it's just now in the twenty and fourth day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloths sackcloths and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and they read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one fourth part of the day and another fourth part they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God and then stood up upon the stairs of the Levites, Jeshua and Benai and Kedmiel and Shebaniah, and Buni, and Cherubiah, Bani, and Chernani, and cried with a loud voice unto the Lord their God. And then the Levites, Jeshua, and Cadmiel, Bani, Hashbaniah, Cherubiah, Hadijah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever, and blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. And so, again, that's what we talked about last week. And so basically, I have in your handout there, I just called that a come to the Lord meeting. Now, we call that today like a come to Jesus meeting. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've never liked that term. I've heard people use it. Well, we had a come to Jesus meeting. 
But most of the time I've heard that phrase, it's never been in the right context. It's like, well, we had to come to the Jesus meeting between us. And I'm like, well, that's not really a come to Jesus meeting. A come to Jesus meeting is when you go to the Lord and you have a conversation with Him. And so I've never really liked that phrase, but yet here, what's happening? They're having a come to the Lord meeting as a group. And so they come and they they confess their sins and they take action on their sins. And they separated themselves from, you know, from their strange wives. Luckily, we don't have to do that today. That's kind of a joke, guys. But <laughs> I'm not saying our wives are strange, but if it shoe fits, it does. But no, I'm, uh, but they had taken foreign wives. They had taken wives that didn't know the Lord. They had taken wives that served false idols. And God said not to do that. And yet they had been doing it. And yet when we watch Israel's history all the way down, that has always happened. And it just keeps going around and around in that circle. And they continually keep messing up. And so uh, so the Levites declared this before the Lord, before all. And they talk about, uh, Blessed is the Lord's glorious name, and it is above all forever and ever. And so last week I kind of made, I kind of stopped there and camped and said, you know, not only is God's name glorious and above all names, He puts His Word above His name. And that should remind us we have His Word. He puts it even above His name. So you cannot separate the Word of God from God Himself. In fact, you can't separate... In fact, the Bible says that the Word is Jesus... And so you can't separate them. They're together. And so it's kind of like us. Have you ever thought about what it, what, what is the difference between who you are and what you say? It's really, it's really the same, isn't it? I mean, you might say something that's different than what you are, but I mean, in reality, what you say is who you are. And in the Bible, we see God's Word is elevated above His own name. And so they go hand in hand. So we're going to continue on with this, with the rest of the story. In fact, we won't get a lot farther today. Uh, we'll probably just get a few more verses. But I asked you last week, and so we're getting ready to get into what we see here is a confession of the Levites of the Israelites down through history. And we've seen several times all the way through the Bible where God gives or someone gives an account of the history of the Jewish people. And so we see it in Psalms. We see it with Stephen in the New Testament. You know, he goes through that big long spiel when he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees and leader of the Jewish religion. He goes through that big long spiel and then of course we know it didn't turn out very well at the end, do we? It did. It, it was going so great all the way to the end till he told them that, you know, uh, God's, that they crucified Christ and then that was the end of it. And they stopped their ears up. Paul does the same thing when they're, when they're dragging him back into the castle in, in Acts after he'd been to the, to the temple and they wanted to stone Paul. And he kind of goes through a quick history too. And he gets all the way up to the point where he says, okay, so, and then God really has got to the point where he wants to get uh, the message to the gospel, other the, the gospel to the Gentiles, and oh my, they stopped their ears again. 
kind of what they did with with uh, Stephen. They wanted to kill him. But over and over in the Bible, we've seen that. And I asked the question last week, what, why are we seeing this all the time? And so I don't know if you guys thought about that last week. Uh, that was part of your homework if you were here. And so... I just gave you some homework to do. I don't know if anybody did it. But but the only thing I can think of is that God is just always reminding His people what He's done for them, what they've done and what He's done for them, and where they've been and where He's taken them. And it just happens over and over. And it's kind of like this circle up here. It's, it's, you know, Israel obeys God. They get God's blessing. They disobey God. They get God's judgment. And it's just everything's in a circle. And it's like every generation seems to go through this. And it's like you think about it and you're like, what? why can't Israel ever get their act together and just follow God? And then you think, well, what about us? We're the same, We're the same way. Why can't we stay on top of the mountain with our relationship with God all the time? And yet, we're not. There are some days when, when we're down at the bottom. Or some days we're at the top. And it just depends on are we obeying God and are we getting His blessings and then when we disobey God, we get away from it. That's kind of how it goes. And so what we're going to see in the book of Nehemiah is is the Levites... Now, now get this. It's not the priest leading this particular meeting here. It's the Levites. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're like me. I'm like, where's the priest at in all this? Why aren't they there? Now, they're probably there but I think we may see that coming up in the rest of the chapter or two. But we see the Levites, which it was their job to teach the Bible along with the priests, but they're getting up and they're they're getting the people to move, basically. And so let's go ahead back to Nehemiah 9 and verse 6. Let's read that. Because in the middle of this meeting, or at the beginning of this meeting, this is what we're going to see. Verse 6 says, uh, and the Levites are still speaking. This is basically almost... This is a worship service going on. This is a come to the Lord meeting. They've confessed their sins, uh, and they've confessed who God is. And you know what? That's kind of how we need to do it. When we pray to God, we need to, we need to confess our sins, and we need to admit who Christ is and who God is. And so verse 6, he says, or the Levites say, Thou, even thou art Lord alone, thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens with all their host, the earth and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Verse 7, Thou art the Lord the God who didst choose Abram and brought him forth out of the Ur of Chaldees and gavest him the name of Abraham and foundest his heart faithful before thee and madest the covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Jebusites, and the Girgashites, to give it, I say, to his seed, and hast performed thy words, for thou art righteous. So basically, he's kind of just given a review of what God has done to the forefathers. And so the first thing he says here is, Thou art God alone. Alone goes in your blank. There is no one else but God. Yep. No one else. Okay? And so I, I listed a few people here that have kind of made that same statement. And so I just want to look at that. In, in fact, everyone should make that statement. If, if you're a child of God, you should come to the point where 
you, you confess that God is God alone. There is no one else. Okay. So turn over in your Bible to 2 Kings 19.15. And we're going to look at Hezekiah here for a little bit. Second Kings 19.15 And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord, and he said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, Thou art the God, even Thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, Thou hast made heaven and earth. So here we have Hezekiah, and he's admitting who God is. And so, uh, uh, it's very important. That's one thing that we need to do. We need to admit, number one, who God is. And so let's turn over to 1 Kings 18.39. 1 Kings 8.39. Uh, Elijah is the one here. And it says, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is the God. Now this was right after that they, you know, that God came down and, and uh, burnt up the sacrifice that uh, uh, Elijah was dealing with the false prophets of Baal here. And so when, when God did the miracle, the people finally came out. Because what did He tell them before this all happened? He goes, you guys need to choose who you're going to serve. You're going to choose Baal or you're going to choose God. And then so God does this mighty work. He comes down and He burns up the sacrifice in front of everybody. And then all of a sudden, like, whoa, <laughs> God is God. Okay? So, uh, but they say, Thou art God alone. You are God. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. He wants us to admit who He is. And so we'll, we'll see there are, there are people that don't want to admit who God is. And they don't want to obey God. And even today, there's all these people that call themselves atheists. And yet, in the Bible, or I think down through this, there's no such thing as an atheist because everybody, you know, down deep, they know there's a God. Mm-hmm. Well, atheists use God's name in vain. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> you know, so all the time. Yeah. And so even, even today, mm-hmm. there are, you know, the, you know, we're we're heading we're heading really quickly to this one world government, and we have these globalist people, and they don't they they are I don't think they're atheists. I think they just don't want to admit there is a God. Mm-hmm. I think they know there's a God, but they, they don't, want don't want to admit to him. They don't want to acknowledge him. Because mm-hmm. then they would have to as God. You know. And that's kind of our society. The reason that most people don't admit there's a God, like you said, it's because they just, they don't want to, they don't even want to throw that out there. They want to, they don't want to be responsible. They don't want to have to follow God. And so if they're their own God, then they don't have to obey what the Bible says, right? So turn over to Psalms 8610. And I'm just giving you some examples of people. And, uh, Psalms 8610.
And here we have David. In fact, let's just start in verse 1. It says, Bow down thine ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou, my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of my servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy and all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods, notice it's a small g, Mm -hmm. there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. We've already seen that in Nehemiah, verse 10. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Mm-hmm. So again, a confession of who God is. Okay. So we've seen, we've seen that in Nehemiah with the Levites. We've seen it with Hezekiah. Uh, we saw it with Elijah and with David. And then let's go over and look at Jeremiah in Jeremiah 10.10. Jeremiah 10, 10 says, But the Lord, He is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting King. At His wrath the earth shall tremble and the nation shall not be able to abide His indignation. Okay. Um, let's just keep going. Thus shall you say unto them, the gods, small g, that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom and hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. Okay, and it keeps going on and on. So he's basically declaring that God is God. Okay, so again, we'll see... And that's nothing new for us. We should know that. I mean, that's that's where we are. But again, I'm just showing the point here that we all need to get to that point. Every a believer needs to get to that point. And yet the Bible says that everyone will bow at Christ's knee at, some, at, the, at the great white throne judgment and all give an account of who we... and all admit who Jesus Christ is. So it's better to do it now than later. But in, in this passage back in Nehemiah, uh, you know the sins were confessed, action was taken, uh, declaring who God is was next, and declaring what God has done is in that process. And then he starts, and then he says, "Thou art Creator." Okay, so let's go back and look at that. It says, "Thou even thou," verse six of Nehemiah uh, nine says, "Thou even thou art Lord alone." Thou hast made heaven. Okay? So, God has made heaven. And again, this is nothing new for us. We should know this. Uh, Genesis 1-1. Right? So let's go look at that. Uh, we should know this. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Right? So is there a big controversy of who created things? No. Should not be, should there? You know, right, there should not be. Uh, you got, you got uh, all these people that, you know, say we came from all this other stuff. 
Um, but no, thou art God alone. You are creator of heaven. Now turn over to Revelation 14.7. So we were at the very beginning of the Bible. Now we're down towards the end. John 14.7. I'm sorry, Revelation 14.7. Thank you. It says... Yeah, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him that what? That made heaven and the earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Okay, so what we see here is all down through history, this has been a key. Admit who God is. Admit what he's done. And what we see here is, uh, for you Bible students, this is basically here, it's called the everlasting gospel that's going to be preached in the tribulation. In the tribulation, you're going to have to admit who God is and what he has done. And yet, when you read Revelation after the church is taken out, after a lot of the people have died, passed on, and you still have those people that want to hide in the caves and and hide from God, the gospel goes out to them. And the gospel there, the good news of the everlasting gospel is God is creator. You need to admit that He is God and that He is creator above all. And guess what? They won't Mm -hmm. do it. At this point, that's what he's asking them to do. He's not asking them to accept Christ as their Savior. He's asking them, you need to admit that God is Creator. And they won't even go there. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so, back back to where we're at in Nehemiah. So, he admits it. Okay? So, thou art Creator. And then he goes, of heaven, and then of the heaven of heavens. Oh my gosh, what does that mean? Just how many heavens are there? Oh, we have a Bible student here, Rex. We have there are three heavens, right? And so, can you define those three heavens, Rex? What are they, just basically? Well, you have the heaven on earth, and you have then I guess the next outer space or whatever is the second heaven, and where God is is the third heaven. Okay, so we have our atmosphere, the Mm -hmm. first heaven the Bible talks about. The second heaven is outer space. And then the third heaven is the abode of of God on the other side of the glassy sea. Okay, so there are three heavens. You tell that to a lot of people and they look at you like you're just out of your mind. Like you have three heads. Like you have three heads, okay. But, But again, knowing our Bible... It tells us that. So turn over to Deuteronomy 10.14. Deuteronomy 10.14 says, Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. Okay, so there's another verse. So, uh, not only did God create our atmosphere, not only did He create uh, outer space and, and where God's abode is, He created all the things that are in them. 
Okay. And so again, all what, what, what he's doing is this basically glorifying God and admitting who he is and what he has created at this point so far in, in what's going on in this prayer. And so, uh, and it talks about, let's go back and look at it. Verse 6 says, Thou, even thou art Lord alone, and thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth, and all the things that are therein. So, what is the host? It says he's created all the host. The angels. The angels. Okay. Anything else? All the heavenly bodies. Heavenly bodies, such as um, all the planets, the stars. planets, stars. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Maybe okay, it'd be earth. It'd be it'd be people in the earth, mm-hmm. animals in the earth. Uh, back to heaven, I'm thinking cherubims. You know, cherubim is not an angel. I mean, all the heavenly, anything that's in the heavens and anything that's in the earth. In other words, everything. Okay, everything. He's created that, and it says the host of heavens. Um, and and host basically. I don't think I have this on the handout. Somehow this escaped me. Now we're coming up to it. Okay. Um, so he's created the host of, and the heaven of heavens, and their host, and the earth, everything that's in it. And number three, he says, back to verse six, it says, uh, and with all their hosts, the earth, and all the things that are therein, the seas, and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all. So not only he created it, he's preserved it. Okay? So, um, and again, what we're doing is just kind of a word study on what we're seeing today. That's basically all I'm doing. So turn over to Psalms 36.6. So how do we learn God's Word? By just comparing Scripture with Scripture. 36.6 says in fact let's back up to verse 5 it says thy mercy O Lord is in the heavens and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds thy righteousness is like the great mountain thy judgments are a great deep O Lord thou preservest man and beast okay so it's God that's going to preserve things specifically here a man and beast. Okay? But we know it goes farther than that. So let's go back to one of my favorite books in the Bible, which you guys probably know, Colossians. Colossians 1, 13-17 says, I'll wait till you guys get there. Colossians chapter 1, 13-17 Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, Yahoo, uh, hallelujah, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. And then just in case you don't catch it, all things were created by Him and for Him. 
And he is before all things, and by him all things what? Consist. So he is sustaining, uh, he is a sustainer, that goes in your blank. He is a preserver of what he has created. It's God that's keeping things going. It's not mankind. It's God that has preserved His Word. He is the one that is doing it. Okay, And He is preserving... You know, I get a kick out of all these people with the climate change and all this stuff. We've got to do this or the climate's going to go away. You know, we're heading to... We're, we're going to burn up. We're going to all this. I know I'm getting old, but like I said, back when I was a teenager... It was, we're going in an ice age. We're going to all freeze to death. I remember that. We were out of oil at that time too in the 70s. We don't have any more oil. They're going to ration the oil. You go to the gas station, there's not going to be any after a little bit. Well, what a bunch of crock. Now it's, we got all kinds of oil if we just drill it. And, and, uh, um, uh, where was I going at? My brain just went dead. It's heat. Yeah, and now we're going to burn up. We're As going of to yesterday, coffee is the, is the uh, big enemy. What? Coffee is bad at this point? As of yesterday, we really? found out that coffee releases yeah, the carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. It's going to kill us all. You've got to drinking it right away. Make sure if you're going to make them, put them in a vacuum sealed container. Okay, let's see if I got this straight. Uh, one time coffee is bad for you, then it got changed over to it's good for you. Now it got changed back to it's bad for you. It got changed to it's good for you. Now just coffee's going to destroy the earth. The whole planet. Yes. The whole planet. Well, which one is it? Coffee or the climate? Okay, so. Do you see how your brain just starts going down the tubes when you don't accept and, and believe in who God is? See, this is crazy. The climate thing, it was global warming, but then that didn't come around it because it got cold and stuff too. We had to change the name of it. Right. To climate change. It's always changing. <laughs> just wait around. It's kind of like our weather. It'll change again. Okay. Isn't that crazy? But it's the Lord that's going to preserve things. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Now, he, now I think we should, you know, we probably, we need to not treat our earth that we live in bad, but at the same time, yeah. God's going to come back and burn this thing up and give us a better one. So, uh, I'm not too really worried about it. Okay. Number four, it says, Thou art worshipped by the host. And we talked about that just a second ago. And what is that host? It's it's the beings. It's the angels. It's the forces. It's the armies of heaven. How many of you think about that? You know, God has His angels. Do you think that? But the Bible says that they are armies. God has armies. And you're like, why does God have to have an army? Because, because we're in a battle right now. Mm-hmm. It's basically God's army against Satan's army, what's going on. And that's really what we're seeing take place down through history. But it says, uh, Thou art worshipped by the host. Host goes in your blank, number four. Okay. The host, and specifically the host of heaven. Okay, so what again is the host of heaven? So let's see if we can nail that down. Uh, turn over to Psalms 148. 
So it's the whole chapter. It's not just verse 28. So actually, I got two chapters here. Psalms chapter 148 and Psalms 24. But let's just read 148. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise ye Him all His angels. Praise ye Him all His hosts. Praise ye Him sun and moon. Praise Him all ye stars of light. Praise Him ye heavens of heavens and ye waters that are above the heavens. And let them praise the name of the Lord for He commandeth and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth ye dragons and all deeps fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling His word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He also exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, even all the children of Israel, a people near unto him. Praise ye the Lord. So here we see in this that he's created all things, not just the host, mm-hmm. uh, not just his angels, but all things. And yet they're praising him, kind of like they're doing in Nehemiah. And so let's go down, let's go back to verse, or uh, chapter 24 of Psalms. Psalms 24 starts off, The Lord is the Lord, the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. There is this is the generation of them that seek Him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. So again, the Bible talks about Jesus, well, Jesus in the Old Testament in his pre-incarnate form as he is the Lord of hosts. He is the, the Lord of his armies. He is the Lord of the heavenly armies, okay? And so, uh, let's turn over to Luke chapter 2, 8 through 14, because I'm just trying to throw out here that God has, uh, uh, his armies. He has his angels. He has his beings in heaven. And, and they basically are called over and over his host or his forces or his army. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to read 8 through 14 when we get there. And it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Okay, now let me, I'm just going to throw this out. This angel's not a name. It's not really low. Okay. 
If that's not in his name, okay, because it would be capitalized, okay. <laughs> that's just an expression, okay. So, lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swathing clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Okay. And so, and it came to pass, verse 15, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. So we see uh, the host of heaven showing up at the proclamation of Jesus being born unto the shepherds. Okay. So if you want a, a little Bible study on Go a little deeper in this. Go back and see about who this, who the one that was actually uh, 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 declaring it. The angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. Who's the angel of the Lord? Jesus. Jesus. So this is kind of wild. So we have Jesus declaring himself. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, this this gets kind of deep when you start looking at all this. Okay. So for you Bible students that are interested in that, you can look at that. But turn back to Matthew twenty six, and I just I just pulled this up this week. I was looking at this Matthew chapter twenty six, verse forty seven. Now here we are at the end of Jesus' ministry. And uh, the night before he's uh, brought before, or the night that he's brought before uh, the Jewish leaders, verse 47 says, And while he yet spake to Judas, one of the twelve came and with it, to, lo, oh wait a minute, and while he yet spake, there we have that word again, lo, Judas, one of the twelve came and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priest and elders of the people. Now he that had betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he, hold him fast. Nice guy Judas is. Mm -hmm. He's betraying him with a kiss, and yet we can see that being portrayed or prophesied back in the Old Testament. Verse 49, And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. 50, and Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they, and they laid hands on Jesus, and he took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand, and he drew out his sword, and he struck a servant of the high priest, and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword unto his place, for all that they take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. Okay? So that's where I want to stop at. I wanted to focus on the twelve legions of angels there. Okay? But before I got there, here, you know, think about this. Imagine being there the night that they come to arrest Jesus and Peter pulls his sword out and he starts whacking this guy. And let me tell you, 
Do you really think he was trying to cut his ear off? Think about this. He wasn't a soldier, so he probably wasn't. He was trying to cut his head off. He was trying to cut his head off, okay. But he, the guy ducks and he cuts his ear off. Now, if we go back in one of the other books that talks about this, as Jesus takes the ear and plucks it back on him. Okay? Now, I will probably be safe to say that you probably don't see that at Pentecostal meetings today. <laughs> we could try it and see if it worked. But I don't think it would. Okay. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. The point I want to look at is he says, he tells, he's trying to tell Peter, Peter, put your sword up, man. I'm, I, they're not forcing me to do this. I am giving myself for this cause. I am going to go to the cross. I am, I am, I am allowing this to happen. That's what he's telling Peter. He, and he says, don't you realize that I could have called twelve legions of angels? to come and help. And I'm like, okay, so what What specifically is a legion? A little over 5,000. Yeah, I was kind of looking it up and it was, um, I was getting it between five and 6,000, yeah. closer to six. So that's, so if there's 12 of them, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's interesting. It says 12 legions of angels. Are there 12 legions in heaven? Or is there just 12 legions, maybe one for each tribe of Israel? Yeah. There you go. You want some homework? Go home and study that out. I don't know. But anyway, if you counted that up, that's 72,000 angels, right? Mm-hmm. Right? So there's another number that's interesting. And he and I'm like, and he says, that's more than enough. I could have called 12 legions, 72,000 angels to come here to help me out. That would have been enough. Power to have wiped out every man on this earth ten times over. Mm-hmm. So my whole point is, you know, God has His host. He has His armies in heaven. Okay, and they're declaring that. Okay, so uh, Nehemiah nine, and I'm not even getting where I want to go, but uh, Nehemiah, back to Nehemiah nine, and I'll wrap here this up real quick. In verses 9 through 7, he starts talking about and declaring about God's faithfulness specifically to the forefathers. And so, let me just kind of run through this real fast and I'll stop and we'll come back and review them next week. Basically, he comes out and he says, God, you chose Abraham. You brought Abraham out of Ur. You gave him a new, a new name. You found him faithful. You made a covenant with him. You've kept more than just your covenant. You've performed, performed your words for you are righteous. You heard their afflictions and cries out of Egypt and you defended them. So he starts going on a history. So far what we've seen is just who God is and what God has done. And now the Levites in this come to the Lord meeting are starting to confess what God has done for their forefathers. And that's what we're seeing through the rest of the chapter. So again, we're running out of time, so I'm going to stop there today and we'll pick that up next week. And so I, I will just say this. Think, think about it in our lives. Have you ever thought about what has God done for me? What's He done for you? And, and just think about all the things that God has done to get us 
to, to bring us into His kingdom, to, to give us things that we're dealing with right now. And some things He hasn't given us yet. Mm-hmm. Some things are still future. Yep. And yet, um, you know, everything in the Old Testament is written for our learning to give us patience and hope of going through the trials that we live in now. And so, studying the book of Nehemiah and studying what they are and how, how they obeyed Him and disobeyed Him and the, and the cycles that He went through should help us in our life that we need to be focused on putting Him first in our life and trying to keep that relationship going on a daily basis and trying to walk faithful to the Lord on a daily basis or walk worthy either way. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, the history that's in your word, Lord. I, I love the history in your Bible, and I love the promises in your Bible, Lord. And yet, Lord, we know that you, everything you've promised to the Israelites, you have fulfilled and will fulfill the rest of them. And Lord, that's a great uh, comfort to us because we know that because of that, everything you have promised us, you will fulfill also. So uh, we look forward to the day that with that we are with you in heaven, that uh, we are about your business. And Lord, I just pray you guide us and direct us in the meantime to get to that point and use us to, to get your gospel out and accomplish the mission that you want us to, to accomplish. So I pray again for the rest of our day and I just pray that you help us to just live our lives for you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.